0: Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Monday, February fifth, and we're talking through a news roundup, cryptocurrency volatility, and earnings for a pair of smaller banks. I'm your host, Michael Douglas, and I'm joined by Matt Frankel. Matt, thanks for joining us.
1: Always fun to be here. Awesome.
0: So before we get into things, I should note because it might it might actually matter for some of the numbers we're talking about, we're actually pre-recording this episode on Friday, February second. Um, so. We're talking about cryptocurrency prices as they are of as of when we're recording, which of course, if you know anything about cryptocurrency volatility, could be wildly out of date by Monday. So, so any numbers we mention, just keep that in mind. Um, so, let's head to our headline story. Um, Bitcoin plunged below $8,000 this morning, uh, bottoming out around 7900 It's actually up to about 8600 as of right now. Still, it's down over 30% this year. And it's not the only one. A number of other cryptocurrencies ripples down uh, around 50% year-to-date. Uh, Bitcoin Cash, uh, upper 40s, around 50%. Um, and just a number of others really underperforming after a lot of investor excitement in January. So, let's hop into the why, because unlike, I'd say, a fair amount of the time when there's volatility around things, and we're like, so why is this? There are actually some legitimate reasons and some legitimate concerns, I think, for people who are really interested in cryptocurrencies. Um, I, I think probably, the, for me at least, the most salient one was Facebook banning advertisements related to cryptocurrencies and initial
1: coin offerings. Yeah, that's definitely, I think, going to hit kind of the what I would call the lower, less mainstream end of the market, not necessarily Bitcoin and, sure, you know, the big ones. Um, <laughs> just first of all, the fact that you had to give that disclaimer kind of tells the audience everything they need to know about Bitcoin volatility. <laughs> yes. Um, just kind of a little side note, when I wrote the notes for this episode about two hours ago, it, Bitcoin had rebounded to ninety, a little over $9,100, and now is about $8,700 in just, you know, a little over an hour, so... This is from pretty big volatility in addition to declines. Declines are one thing, but you know, uh, Ripple, for example, doubled the first two days of the year and then lost fifty percent from its January one price. So this is some, these are some big swings we're talking about. Yes. Um, and and yeah.
0: and I'll and I'll say on the Facebook piece, it's not necessarily the most important piece of news, particularly for as you noted these really big Uh, major cryptocurrencies, ones that we've all heard of like Bitcoin and Ripple, but my feed had become completely inundated with advertisements around cryptocurrencies for whatever reason the algorithms had just decided I was the person who was going to buy into all of this stuff, and so I've just got to say I'm much happier with (laughs) with the advertisements I'm being served today, even (laughs) though I'm still not acting on them, any of them, just to be clear.
1: Well, it's probably a good idea. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, another thing that could affect kind of that, that end of the market is um, the SEC, which has been warning investors for months about these initial coin offerings and smaller cryptocurrencies. They recently stepped in and put a stop to what would probably be the biggest initial coin offering so far, um, something called a Rise Bank. Uh, it's a bank based in Dallas, was about to do an ICO. They raised $600 million, pretty much on false pretense, it seems like. Um, they told investors that they had acquired an FDIC-insured bank, which wasn't true. Um, so, that kind of gave investors some some jitters, understandably. Um, the, the other big kind of theme going on this year is regulatory concerns. Not so much here in America. The government here has been pretty straightforward about what they think of cryptocurrencies. They consider them capital assets. Um, Exchanges have to follow certain rules if they want to sell them. But in general, we know what's what. Um, South Korea has been a big story. They're, I think, the number three Bitcoin market in the world behind Japan and us. So um, South Korea, kind of the saga has been going on all year. At first, they were saying they were going to try to ban cryptocurrency trading altogether. Then they kind of backed off from that, and now they're just planning to you know, take some steps to prevent money laundering and things like that, make people trade cryptocurrencies in their, under their real names is the big one that they just implemented. Um, and India uh, just recently, which is another pretty big Bitcoin market, about 10% of crypto volume comes from India, just announced kind of similar things, um, that Bitcoin's all for money launderers, that they're going to do what they can to keep it out of their system, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So these regulatory fears are really kind of Causing investors to take a step back because the price of Bitcoin, the speculative interest, is not just in America. We're actually at less than half of it. It's, it's all these other markets around the world that we don't know what their governments are going to do yet that is spooking investors.
0: The other piece that's worth mentioning as well, uh, a I would I would argue it's been more of a story in 16 and 17 because we're only a month into 18 but there was a big crypto exchange hack as well recently and of course hacking has been an issue that we've seen with I mean there was the OPM hack there were the hacks of a variety of different uh, health insurance companies and hospitals and Yahoo and just there's been a lot of hacking going on and the biggest crypto exchange uh, hack Recently occurred about six hundred million dollars worth of NEM coins were taken, so that also makes a big difference.
1: Yeah, and it it's kind of worth noting with that that they weren't really following protocol. Generally, when you have that much of any cryptocurrency, the kind of thing you're supposed to do is not store it online. Right. Um, and theirs were in a what's called a hot wallet, which is a wallet that's linked to the internet. So, like for example, Coinbase is you know, billions of dollars in Bitcoin are not stored online, so they're not really vulnerable to hacking. But in this case, the the coins were, and somebody got smart and took them. Yeah.
0: Um, bottom line when approaching cryptocurrencies, I think in general, and this is personally my stance on investing in currencies in general, um, is that it's best to steer clear, um, particularly when they are this volatile. Um, I tend to favor investments where there's a business that I can theoretically at least understand and um that business is generating profits or hopefully at least revenue (laughs) that i can then kind of model out and figure out what the opportunity looks like and um i generally speaking i think if you do believe that there's going to be a lot of money to be made in cryptocurrencies there is plenty of time for that to happen um when a lot of these kind of bigger picture questions about them have been better sorted out
1: completely agree i've I've bought some Bitcoin in the past, just small amounts, just to kind of learn how it worked, but I couldn't see myself putting, you know, more than 20 or 30 bucks into it at a time. Um, it just um, could be worth half of what it is today, or it could be worth double within, you know, a day.
0: Right. So it's, it's buyer beware. Indeed. All right. So with that, let's turn to a couple of other news items. Uh, Two, I mean... Small is a relative term, I suppose, <laughs> but uh, smaller banks reported earnings, and we figured we'd hop into those. The first is New York Community Bancorp. So this one, um, New York Community Bancorp, has um, long been a, I think, a bank that a lot of people like, particularly because it's got a nearly five percent dividend yield, um, and uh, frankly, you know, I thought earnings looked pretty
1: good. Yeah, they had a, a very good quarter. Uh, loans were up 9% year-over-year. Year. Their earnings were up 20%. They actually got a benefit from tax reform, whereas most banks took a big hit. Um, and they kind of clarified their optimism that the key regulatory threshold, where a bank becomes a what's called a SIFI, a systemically important financial institution, uh, there's a bill that's going to be voted on that would raise it from $50 billion in assets which New York Community Bank is at 49.1. Right. Uh all the way up to 250 which would pretty much get that concern out of the picture for them. Um before they were kind of close to the limit they were had an efficiency ratio of about 36%, which is remarkable for a bank. Internet banks generally don't even get that good. Um and now they're in the 50% range. So if this passes it could be a good definitely a big catalyst going forward and the fact that the bank seems so optimistic about it i think investors are def- are taking it definitely as a good sign
0: yes and one of the key things we should mention here is so when a bank becomes a sifi it tr- uh, triggers a great deal of additional regulatory oversight and compliance and that Well, costs money and time and effort, and so New York Community Bank—one of the reasons actually their dividend yield is so high is because they've been deliberately trying to find ways to stay under that $50 billion threshold. And so, um, if the threshold does increase, then suddenly they can kind of take the brakes off of their growth and continue to, you know, reinvest more cash into the business, hopefully give out more loans, you know, all that sort of stuff, so that they can um, then continue to grow up toward. Whatever their, their natural number is, which probably not as big as 250 billion, but certainly perhaps a little bit bigger than 50 billion.
1: Yeah, um, New York communities. It's worth mentioning that banks have just been on fire over the past year and a half. Oh yeah, um, like Bank of America more than doubled in price. New York community is getting cru- has gotten crushed, and one of the biggest reasons is just uncertainty about the bank's future. When will they go over the 50 billion dollar cap? What will it mean? Is it going to be through an acquisition? Is it just going to happen naturally and kind of blindside investors? Um, so we, the big kind of theme here is that some of these questions are finally starting to be answered. And and the answer is the best possible scenario that it might not matter at all. So. Yeah,
0: yeah, a lot of a lot of good stuff there. And um, I think personally, New York Community Bancorp is um, one of the fewer, one of the few sort of again smaller banks that I would really consider investing in personally.
1: Yeah, it's one of the few that are actually in my portfolio I have Bank of America, and that one.
0: Nice. And Bank of America is not quite as small, so. <laughs> no,
1: th- that's why we say relatively small. <laughs> right? because, you know, compared to Bank of America, it's, about, it's tiny. Well, right. Two percent of its size, but it's fifty billion dollars in assets. It's not a tiny bank.
0: Right. What's well, a few billion dollars between friends? <laughs> um, so let's turn to our second smaller bank story. This is uh, Bank of the Internet or BoFi, and. Uh, Of course, listeners will know we've talked a lot about Bofi. We we did a deep dive on them late last year, so certainly if you haven't heard that, it's a great chance to kind of understand how we think through um, banks of this size. When you look at Bofi, just pretty across the board, a stellar quarter. I mean, loan portfolio up 19%. um, Earnings per share actually declined a little bit, but um, that's because of tax reform. Again, for most banks, they had to take a write down on their earnings from tax reform uh, one time. But if you net out tax reform, earnings per share were up 22% year-over-year, 12% deposit growth, 9% asset growth. It's hard to overstate uh, how quickly that bank is growing.
1: Yeah, and just their their profitability was incredible this quarter, too. Um, just to give you an idea, last year, uh, Bofi ran a 17.5% return on equity, which is Stellar. You know, remarkable. For, <laughs> yeah, and they beat that this, this quarter, They 185 ex- excluding the tax reform. Yeah. Um, so their profitability has been fantastic. They started a share buyback, which kind of shows that they're getting on really good financial footing. Um, it's also worth mentioning that Bofi is kind of... Is, is in every sense a smaller bank. They're only at about $9 billion worth of assets. So this growth could conceivably continue for a long time.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you know, I, 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 that ROE number, I think I, I just want to circle that one more time. When you consider that for banks, a good ROE or a solid ROE is 10%, a great ROE is 12%, we're talking 18.5% return on assets of just under 2%. Uh, that's just incredible. And um, Of Course, the the key question we always ask when we're seeing a bank growing really quickly is okay, but what's the risk? You know, are they, you know, basically, are they really, really aggressively giving out loans? And is that going to really hurt them uh, when the tide goes out? Um, Their non performing loan rate is 0.42 percent compared to their peer average, which is almost exactly double that at 0.82 percent. And historically speaking, at least, of course, we can't speak to their credit culture to today as compared to during the Great Recession, but they dramatically outperformed just about everybody else in non-performing loans during the Great Recession. And so, I think in general, it's a pretty good look for the bank.
1: And they also gave some pretty optimistic figures for for projections going forward. Mm-hmm. They in, in addition to that ROE number that you highlighted again, they... Um, <laughs> <laughs> which was definitely worth doing.
0: Yeah, well, it was they're, big, it, right? Yeah,
1: <laughs> it is. Um, they say now because of tax reform, they're expecting to run at an 18% ROE going forward, and a 40% efficiency ratio, which I already kind of mentioned is you know stellar. Um, they're one of the they're a big beneficiary of tax reform. They've one of the highest effective tax rates in the banking industry, pretty much because they're based in California, where there's you know lots of state taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're expecting their effective tax rate going forward to drop from the 41 to 42% range to 28 to 30%. That'll which is a, that'll make a big difference with profitability.
0: Well, and particularly because, so when you look at Bofi, um, they are running about a 40% efficiency ratio these days. Now, remember, we were talking about New York Community Bank Corp just a minute ago running, I want to say it was a 36% uh, efficiency ratio. Yeah, before Doc Frank. Right, but back, so back in 2010. Um, but, you know, Bofi, Bofi's efficiency ratio has been creeping up a little bit uh, in the in the past couple of years as they've begun really investing in growth. And so that lower tax rate then basically gives them some extra cushion to continue doing that. Uh, for me, one of the things that really makes Bofi currently the only um, true bank that I hold in my portfolio is that its efficiency ratio is so low. And of course, when I see it creeping up, that makes me a little bit concerned. Unless you buy, as I do, that- This is really management investing in technology and investing in people to basically make sure that it can continue, um, kind of building that growth in a in a variety of different areas. And if that's the case, then this bank's got a long way to go.
1: Yeah, like I said, it's still it's a, even though it's grown exponentially over the past say five or six years, it's still a very small bank. There's a lot of room to grow, especially as interest rates rise. These online banks tend to Pass on the savings more to their customers than branch-based banks. Uh, Bofi is already offering some amazing savings rates when compared to like a Wells Fargo or a Bank of America. So I could see their deposit base growing significantly as interest rates continue to rise.
0: Yeah, and that continues. You know, for fairly traditional banks like New York Community Bancorp and Bofi interest rates are going to be the name of the game in terms of expanding those margins in the coming years. And frankly, just in general, the banking sector looks poised to have at least a good couple of years, assuming that the Fed continues raising interest rates, which assumes, of course, that the economy continues to do well, and as tax reform continues to take hold. So, a lot of good things to like in both of these earnings reports, and definitely stocks we'll be checking in on in the future. Folks, that's it for this week's financial show. Questions? Comments? You can always reach us at industryfocus@fool.com. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. The Motley Fool does not recommend any cryptocurrencies, and uh, people on the show may or may not have um, positions in any cryptocurrencies mentioned. So also keep that in mind and check public disclosures on full.com. This show is produced by Austin Morgan. For Matt Frankel, I'm Michael Douglas. Thanks for listening and full on.